Yo folks, welcome to episode 9. In this episode, I'm talking with fellow dancer and movement artist Danielle Fleeswasser. Danielle got in contact after watching my episode talking with Fanny Van Giel and we had a really nice conversation. So nice in fact that I asked her to have another one and this time record it for the podcast, which is what you're about to see here. We talk about art, dance and the current state of things and navigating a way forward. I hope you enjoy. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the like button. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So, yes, welcome back. Um, for those who maybe don't know, uh, Danielle and I had a conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago. You got in contact um, yeah, you kind of, you saw an episode with Fanny Van Geel and uh, yeah, you got in touch and then we had a nice conversation and I thought it was a shame that it wasn't a podcast, so let's maybe do it again um, and yeah, talk about some things. Um, so maybe just to kind of give a quick rundown uh, to introduce what you are and what you do. Uh, yeah, just, you know, let the people know. Okay, um, well, my name is Danielle, I'm 23 years old, had to think about that one. Um, I study business psychology partly, and I am active in the dance scene as a dancer, as an art director, as an assistant choreographer, and I mean, it, it's just names, it's just things I've been doing now, projects I've been doing, but I've just been experimenting a lot in the dance scene and just trying to explore what's there to do. And that applies to my everyday life now. I'm not studying for the moment, so I'm working at a random store and I'm doing some volunteer work. And then I'm just trying to find projects wherever possible that interest me. So that's a little about me, I guess, or yeah, yeah. No, that's about what I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. It's just uh, for people that maybe have never heard of you, so they know who this Danielle person is. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, what I found interesting, at least in talking to you, was that you seem to have quite a uh, like a conscious like finger on the the dancing or what it means to be a dancer. Not saying that you're this kind of you know wise guru who has all the answers but you were at least someone who's quite young who seems to have a good uh broad perspective on dance uh mm -hmm. at least this is what i got from you know speaking to you last um which is why i wanted to talk to you again so i thought okay you're someone who who's not just let's say narrow-minded in the sense of i want to be a dancer and i want to dance and i just want to dance i just want to dance you know you're you're you had quite a um, an open vision at least to, to what dance can be or that there's many different sides of dance um, so and in general I guess for people who are listening who aren't dancers this I, I guess kind of most of what we're going to talk about probably applies to a lot of arts in general but just to kick us off what would you say is like the state of the art scene right now I know it's a real broad question um, and I know this year is a strange year, but yeah. um, do you think we're, are we thriving or are we struggling or is there like an ugly side that's kind of come about or, yeah. 
Do you mean art scene as in general or dance specifically? Um, well, let's let's start with general and then we can go to maybe dance in Belgium, let's say, <laughs> afterwards. So I don't know if I'm an applicable person to answer that question, but my, on my opinion, um, I think it depends on, on the person in general. Obviously, with Corona, I think it's hard for the art team because we're not gonna we're not being supported by the government and we don't have much money and there's nothing to do for the art scene at least when it comes to um things we have to do physically and not through the social media platforms so i do think there's a struggle or at least the change of approach of art um i think for some it's a struggle for others it's a challenge because you get to challenge yourself as an artist in a different way. And then you obviously find new ways to create, which is always interesting. In struggle, you always find the best art, I think. That's my personal opinion. Um, so yeah, I don't have a clear answer on that, but that's kind of my <laughs> opinion. No, that, that's fine, I guess. I mean, it, it's funny because it, it kind of it touched on a bunch of different topics that I want to talk to you about anyway like social okay, cool. media and the struggle um but yeah I, I think uh like it's something that I've been kind of like tossing up with myself lately just trying to understand like this position that artists are in in the sense of uh like I for whatever reason I just I'm the kind of person who hates to have to ask to do stuff you know as in if I have to ask to to do what I want to do you know I want freedom and just like agency to to do what I want um mm -hmm. and so now that even without corona we seem to be in a position where we always have to like ask people for money to do the work that we want to do you know yeah. it's um it's a strange kind of position and I I'd love to find a way to kind of take out the the middlemen, you know, or take out the um, the, uh, the the theaters or the the like the arts organizations that kind of control and curate who sees which artists. Mm -hmm. um, but we kind of have that now, I guess, with Corona, because it's mm -hmm. you could say we're we're doing everything online, but online is like a you know, a filter, there's very little that kind of gets through actually. So yeah, I don't know, it's not really a question there, I guess, but it's, um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I wonder how we can, like, do you think we have to rethink how we do online work or is there like a status quo issue that we can do when, when Corona kind of chills out and we get back? That's a good question. <laughs> um, Honestly, I think in general, we have to question the purpose of, we question the purpose of art, I think, personally. For me, at least, I want to re-question my purpose and the things I'm giving and what I'm actually getting back from it as well. And as in, especially in the dancing, we give so much, we do so much, it's actually a very expensive to be in in general and you 
don't get as much back all the time, especially now. And I feel like this is a good wake up call to money wise, at least to see where things should be more in balance so that all the parts in our team can be seen for what they are and have the value of what they have and not that one particular platform or sports or art gets a ton of money because there is money in some places so I do believe it is there I don't think it isn't there I think it just needs to be distributed in a much more in a much better sense so that everybody gets something out of it and the way it's built now it's just not fair for the big general and you cannot say to a dancer you're not going to be a dancer because there are thousands of you so no matter how much you will train or how you good you will be you will not get money I mean you cannot say that to someone it's heartbreaking and I don't know it's such a complicated aspect I don't think we as an individual can change that it's rather of how do we want to express ourselves or how do we want to be seen and it's just a good question to ask yourself I think um yeah it, it seems like there's there's like two streams <laughs> being pulled of like yeah. doing what you want to do like purely or mm -hmm. doing what you know will help you survive or or like let's say like mm -hmm. business versus art you know which is... I've actually seen a really interesting, sorry to interrupt yeah, you, I've actually seen a really interesting interview about that, uh, which was uh, Miley Cyrus actually talking about her art. And then she, because she's such an interesting and outspoken person, and I feel like she's experienced a lot of life. And, um... <laughs> <laughs> <way of> it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's actually like explaining very, openly where she explicitly decides when to create art for herself and when to create it for the business to get money out of it and she does it very consciously and dance wise I don't know if dance is actually a good business to do business with to mm. be honest yeah yeah I know what you mean so that's where the question comes in do you actually really want to put yourself as a business person in the dancing or do you want to do it as a passion because you like it and do you want to just do what you like and have maybe other things on the side from within the art scene or at least something that still gives you some kind of energy to fuel I don't know if dance is a good business yeah I know, I know what you mean like sometimes it's it's like there, there's, it, it's weird because, you know, during this year and stuff, I've, I've at times, because my work obviously just dried up because it's, you know, basically 100% dance. Um, and there was times where I was like, oh, should I just get like a regular job? Should I just get like, a, just for now, you know, like something that I can quit easily when I, mm -hmm. when I, when things go back together. And then it makes me think like, man, I could work all day and get like minimum wage and I get like 40 euros or something, like an eight hour day or something. Whereas if I teach or if I work or I dance or something, I could work for two hours and get a hundred euros, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it was like, whoa, like actually I could, you know, work way less time doing this, the thing that I'm trained in rather mm -hmm. than just, but, but there's no money, you know? So there was this kind of, oh, sorry, there's no opportunity at the moment. There's no dance happening. Yeah. Um, 
but I know what you mean when you say that that but <laughs> dance is like a weird business. It's like it's the such a weird business. Yeah, it, it's it's because really... then it's also like uh, I feel like for a lot of people it's such a natural thing to start teaching as a choreographer. Whereas I think I'm teaching as well and it gets paid quite well. I think teachers in the dancing get a lot of money for the, I think it's a, that's a good place to be in, but not every dancer wants to be a teacher or is even qualified to be a teacher. It's just such a natural thing to do because you get money out of it. And yeah, I don't know. It's some, it's a question. It's something to question for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, it's funny that you say that, actually, because I've uh, yeah been watching a lot of new things since, you know, Corona, or at least, you know, since the lockdowns where the, the work really can't happen. And um, mm-hmm. just a lot about, like, art and how we think about it and how we treat it. And, and yes, yeah, so I can't remember who said it, but they, they were saying that, um, you know, if you can't make money from doing your craft, then teach it. You know, mm-hmm. it, seems, it seems to be, like, the, the first natural progression to mm-hmm. a way of kind of uh, subsidizing not being able to do it so if you can't dance right now then you should teach dance mm-hmm. but of course that's like in normal conditions when uh you know when studios aren't closed down or whatever um yeah but it's uh it like chris rock said something um on the breakfast club a couple of weeks ago now and he said uh, like corona showed us like what kind of house did you build did you build a house made of paper or a house made of sticks or a house built of concrete? You know, and some people had concrete houses and they're fine and they can go mm-hmm. a whole year without working and they're good. Um, and some people were like their whole life just kind of shattered because they didn't get their month's uh, wage. You know, they, they didn't make yeah. money one month, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I feel like that's apl- applicable to a lot of things, not only money. It's the same as, as like your personal growth, like how how are you handling being back home? How are you handling, or how is even your home situation or your your close connections, your community? Is it stable or not? If it's not stable, then you just break down because you have nothing to fall back on. And it's 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 so I find it so interesting what Corona. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's, I think we still underestimate how big of a deal it is. You mm-hmm. know? Like, I think we, we say, like, oh, this is annoying, but next year, like, everyone keeps talking about, oh, next year, like, next year is going to be a good year. It's like, well, <laughs> Corona doesn't know anything about the years, you know, or the date. It doesn't know what date it is. It doesn't care that, you know, 2021 is going to be a fresh start. It will just carry on and as long as it carries on. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, we we seem to underestimate this thing of, uh yeah just just the the lasting impact or or the the fact that now everyone took a beat at or took a pause at the same time you know mm-hmm. like uh yeah i was just listening to some podcasts the other day about you know some people now are saying that like not maybe not artists but like more business people they're saying that, that they will not apply for a job unless it's um remote you know unless they can do it from home now you know, mm-hmm. they're not going to apply for a job anymore that you have to go to an office. And a lot yeah. of companies are like closing their office buildings because they realize that actually we can still work without this big ass building that we have to pay for every day. Mm-hmm. You know, we have 
I think they were talking about having smaller like meetup offices when things yeah. kind of happen. But um, yeah, I think it's it's really crazy. Like it, it sounds cliche to say like, oh, Corona is really changing our lives. Like obviously, <laughs> but I think we still underestimate just how much. Yeah, I think so too. And I think actually it's such a normal habit for human beings to to not be able to adapt immediately and just like take a step back and just go back into your habits and into your okay it's gonna get all normal again I'm gonna have my old life again but it's never gonna be old life again it's always gonna be different and it's gonna be really interesting because you'll have like two groups one that just were creative and tried new things and tried to adapt to the new situation and others that will go against it and actually backfire and then it will be these like two extreme groups I guess I don't know if extreme is a good word for it but no, I, I, I agree yeah I think it's it's like people in general like or artists or well actually yeah cr- people who are creative in any sense even in business you know their creativity and whatever it's people who are very like have their finger on the pulse of the world you know like they know oh actually the world is shifting more like this this is kind of an obvious one like okay how yeah. do we how do we still work you know i need to work this week you know i'm not going to take a week off and wait for this to all blow over i want to work mm. this week i want to make a project in two months how am mm-hmm. i going to do that and just people who you know constantly yeah like you say adapt um adapt to the situation at all times let's say mm-hmm. rather than kind of try and live in an idealistic view like I, I don't know where I sit on those groups I think I could be in the idealistic viewpoint I'm not sure if I'm like I think sometimes I'm a bit too stubborn in the sense of like nah I want to do it like this and then I sit around <laughs> and then there's no opportunity for a while and I'm like ah fuck okay maybe I should change meanwhile other people I know are like ah fuck okay we're gonna do it like we're gonna change you know a lot more flexible mm-hmm. um I yeah. feel like with the dancing it's always it's it's gonna take a while though because even now I don't know if you read it but there are actually a lot of dancers now going to the Netherlands to take classes because they're not allowed to take classes in Belgium and so yeah it's it's uh, uh, some dancers do it and I feel like it's it's gonna be the same with the dancing because honestly I don't think events or concerts or anything in that sense is gonna be the same I think it's going to take a while for things to go back to same. Also, people wanting to go to to performances to watch them. I don't know if that's going to be a normal thing again, that people will actually want to sit in a room mm. with like 200 people watching a dance show. I don't know. I think it, it's very, I think it depends on a person, but I, I actually, I'm doubting it and I'm just wondering what ways i i just think there there are new ways to do dance to do performances to do art i just think we need to find it kind of yeah because it's funny when you say like um you don't know if we're gonna have these performances anymore like it's strange because a performance of like any kind like even like a sports event you know where loads Mm -hmm. of people turn up it's a really i find it it's a really weird thing you know, like people from all over the, the country or the city or wherever, all over the world sometimes, like join to see something. Mm-hmm. 
on this particular time you know it's like a very ancient tradition you know or like a custom whatever you call it a custom or a like a cultural thing we you know we we all come together to watch something and then all go home you know and we don't know anyone there like I remember going to a football event once with a I'm not really into football but for the one or two times I've been to a, a game I was in Amsterdam and there was a moment of silence for someone who died recently um and so there was a one minute silence, and there was like 10,000 people or no, maybe 20,000 people there in the stands, all silent. And it freaked me out because I was like, man, there's 20,000 people here all just like, you know, we just arrived to watch these people do this thing and they were all mm-hmm. going to go home and it's going to be like a part of our lives, you know? So it's a very ancient tradition, mm-hmm. but it's been around for so long. So there must be something to it that kind of keeps it strong. Yeah. But I do know what you mean. Like maybe this just was the the cam the 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 straw that broke the camel's back in the sense that you know it was on the way out anyway, and COVID just really kicked it out because yeah, yeah like I don't know if you saw like well, actually no the M- the NBA they did this thing with the audience where they you know you could buy a seat to be in the in the audience but you were like virtually in the audience oh okay didn't know that yeah it, it looked a bit weird it's just like a bunch of 2d people but they were like real people you know so oh. it was kind of cool but um i guess they were just watching it like on the tv as well so mm-hmm. one, one i know so- it's tricky because it, it's it, that wasn't like i personally wouldn't like it i would personally love to to go to concerts to go to performances i mean i think it it has something beautiful that you cannot just do in a different way i'm just wondering i don't think necessarily it's gonna be hard for us to get back into it because just like after first quarantine it got in naturally pretty fast actually uh especially performances i'm just wondering how much money will we get from it how much how much will we be supported it's just it's a scary thing I don't yeah know. <laughs> yeah i know like you say like even you know, same here i i don't want it to go but mm-hmm. unfortunately like if you know the you know what 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 we want <laughs> isn't always possible for the 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 natural shift of things i guess you know like mm-hmm. i've still got books i love buying real books i don't never buy a kindle or anything but you know i'm sure give it a few more years and books are just going to be a thing of the past for sure. You know, um, <laughs> but, uh, we'll listen back to this after a few years and, and we'll know. Yeah. We'll be like, Oh, we're idiots. Look at the book scene. It's just thriving. You know, look at all these, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, you're quite interested in psychology, right? You're a psychology student. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So where, where have you found like crossover between psychology and art or dance? You know, where, where have you found the moments where, because I remember you, you originally got in touch because you knew that I was interested in dance and science and, you know, this mm-hmm. idea of where they can meet. So I was just wondering what, what, uh, where were the points that you felt they could meet on your side? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I think it's now already two years or a year and a half, I did a leadership program for dancers. It's called Thousand Pieces Puzzle. And uh, Cindy Kla, it's founded by Cindy Class. It's based in Zinema. And that actually just 
open my doors, open my willingness to actually try and listen to what I have to say and what capabilities do I have, which tools do I have and how can I actually tell them. And I think that was a moment I started exploring my personal, um, kind of my personal path with my studies and then trying to figure out how I put it into dance. So I did a work in progress called Forbidden Conversations. And it was actually a research I did based on what is normality and what do we call normal. So, and why is it that, for example, if you look to ADHD, if you look to people with anxiety disorders, depression, um, why is that being abnormal? Why is it in this scale, the place where you're like, okay, now you have an illness or okay, you don't have an illness, but you have a problem. You're not behaving the way you should be behaving because this is the norm normal curve you should be in. So I actually questioned that and I kind of try to put it into dance slash theater-ish. And I just explored it, experimented with it, did a lot of exercises with my dancers. And I think that's why I found it really interesting what you had have to say as well, because that was a turning point for me where I was like, okay, there's actually a lot to say with art. If I actually use my knowledge I have from science and I'm actually able to do this in a qualified way in a way that I know exactly what I'm talking about and I can actually teach things to people or at least make some sort of awareness even if it's a little thing even even if it's a an emotion I spark within a person and that makes them think twice about why they feel that emotion so I feel like that was kind of my starting point and that's kind of what I I want to do and my purpose is so yeah that's why I think it matched yeah yeah, in that yeah. yeah it's um yeah it's interesting because you know dance is a weird medium to use to talk about complex um specifics I guess you know like to mm -hmm. you know theater obviously helps if you were talking about just pure dance you know just through movement mm -hmm. because i find this with science like it's really difficult actually to to um to talk about it in a way that let's say we would traditionally think of as like educating someone or informing mm -hmm. someone this thing yeah. of you know like you're not going to get uh you, you know you're not going to get a qualification from learning science through dance you know, mm -hmm. like maybe eventually, but I mean, you know, dance can't really teach you maths, you know, it can't really teach you equations or things like this, but yeah. that's possibly not what it's intended for, I guess, when we, you know, obviously that's why we have words and, you know, images, <laughs> you know, that's mm -hmm. why we have like the traditional stuff. Whereas I think, yeah, dance has, or at least art has a certain power that it can, make you look at things from a different perspective. Like I know Fanny did this um, project with uh, people with MS and they did a mm -hmm. project on how, um, you know, how they deal with it, what it means, you know, what it's like. Uh, even for people that don't know these people, they can, they understand that they have it and they're performing. So there's, uh, you know, another 
um, layer of maybe expectations that can be taken away there. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, w- what are like the, the, I guess the surprises or what were the, the, the things that you found that you could and couldn't do with dance in terms of the, the stuff that you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. Mm, been a while back, so I have to think <laughs> about it a little. Um, I think it was the easiest to use emotions as a base and to be able to spark some kind of emotion within the audience. I think that's pretty easy with dance. If you have the right intention and um, enough, um, how do you call it? Like expressiveness within your movements and authenticity. Um, So I think that that's something we're able to do with dance. I think that's also the base where it comes from, that energy within you when you hear a song or whatever and you just full on express yourself. It's something that we cannot, we, we just feel it and it just makes us want to dance immediately as well or makes us want to do something as well. Um, so I think that, that, I think that was possible. Um, I think what's harder is to actually tell a story is to actually explain something. Like if you really want a person to understand, okay, this is A, B, C, D, E till Z. It's really hard, just movement. And that was something I wasn't able to do. And I feel like some, I've seen some performances where they were able to do it better, depends on the subject, uh, where they really research the concept within movement so much that it's integrated in their movement. So you understand what it talks about kind of. Um, so yeah, that that's where the theater part came in and <laughs> was easier. Yeah. Um, it's almost an issue of speed, I guess, in terms of you could spend so much time, re- like you said, spend so much time researching the movement and finding the exact right way to to perform it so that people can understand it. Mm-hmm. You could just use words and say it in five seconds. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's, there's this, um, you know, I'm not saying either one is better because like I said, movement has this thing which words can't really, um, doesn't doesn't match with words let's say you know because mm-hmm. it you, you kind of live the emotion you know when you do it you're, you're kind of living out this emotion I guess um yeah I, I found a similar thing really that's why I also kind of integrate theater into my stuff and I'm not a theater guy at all like I I suck mm-hmm. at acting and I never trained really I really I'm such a bad talker like I'm so surprised <laughs> still that I have a podcast or anything um okay because I'm such a, you know, I, I, I can't, <laughs> yeah, I, I just can't like, uh, talk smoothly, you know, not, not often, yeah. um, unless yeah. I really, really practice, but it's, it's something that at least gives context within the show. You know, it, it, you could, without being like a lecture and just explaining something and then dancing it, explaining and dancing it, it, mm-hmm. you can, you can kind of create boundaries, let's say, or like conceptual boundaries as to uh, this is the kind of world that we're in and now you're going to understand this movement a bit better I guess Mm -hmm. yeah that reminds me a question I was struggling with a lot when I did it when I made it 
was finding a balance between, okay, how am I going to make this abstract and something I want to do and still make it understandable and interesting for a public that's not interested in dance. Because um, it's something that I question a lot, especially because of my family, as in specifically my dad just doesn't understand <laughs> dance at all. He doesn't understand why I do it. He loves that it. it's a hobby, um, but it doesn't speak to him at all. So I was wondering about it, why? And obviously I, I'm 100% sure there are a lot of people like that that just cannot watch it five, 10 minute dance piece because it's like, what is this? Why are they moving so strangely? So that was a part where I was really knocking my head on um, to find that balance and what keeps a person interested. Because basically that's what we want to do as well. We want to keep someone interested and curious when they watch a piece that you don't want to make them bored or mm. distracted. Um, yeah, you, yeah. You, it, it's... I think it is important because we so often make dance for other artists or we make art for other artists that we, mm. we, we get used to them having a high tolerance level for abstract stuff. You know, mm. like people can really, um, <laughs> you know, if you, if you were just to describe some of the, the dance works, the like contemporary dance pieces that you've seen, mm -hmm. it sounds like boring as hell or, um, just so confusing and weird, but the dance scene has a high, I guess you could say it's open-mindedness or, but also a high tolerance for seeing where it goes, you know, mm -hmm. like, because it, sometimes it's brilliant and it does all work out in the end, you know, it's like, oh my God, the, the, you know, it took eventually, but it was like, it was like a joke at the end or whatever, or, you know, there was something that kind of all came together that made sense. Mm -hmm. uh, but for like the regular audience who doesn't maybe watch dance or contemporary dance, like specifically contemporary dance that much. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's this, there's already a jump to the starting point. So even if you have a really interesting and engaging contemporary piece, there's mm -hmm. still a big jump from what they're used to on TV and, you know, around them versus like the dance as, um, an expression for something other than your personal self, mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah. like, there's still a big leap. Like, cause I have the same thing. My dad is, you know, he's a working class guy, you know, he, uh, you know, he dr drives lorries all his life, you know, so he he's not in the art scene at all. So it's, um, it's this, uh, he's, he's kind of always in the back of my head as well when it's like, man, even when he's in the pieces that I've been in, he's like, mm, okay you know uh, yeah nice okay you know like that was it you know there was no <laughs> not much engagement in it um, yeah yeah I, I used to hate it but and also there are things that I used to hate I still hate it sometimes when he said it but he has some like you know the truth you don't want to hear <laughs> like <laughs> for example if I would turn back the conversation towards the business like this is why he would just say, this is why dance isn't get, getting a lot of money because it's just not that entertaining. <laughs> it, as in, and then I'm like, okay, not true, but 
maybe a little true because if you look at the entertainment business basically that's all they're thinking of is how do we entertain people and it's obvious which direction it's going and what they're using to, to keep that interesting spark it's just like how do you find this balance between you want to create something artistically that's challenging yourself and still <laughs> make it yeah. interesting for other people well i think that touches on something which i've been trying to like identify i'm sure mm-hmm. there's better minds out there who have identified it i just haven't come across them yet but it, th- there is something definitely with contemporary art in all different mediums where now that we have this kind of postmodern era where you know it doesn't have to be this grand spectacle you know it can be kind of a subtle small thing with no illusion of theater just like oh i'm a real person and this is my clothing and i'm dancing like this whatever and sometimes that can be beautiful but because it's a lot more accessible i think a lot less talented people can um can create something which in essence looks like something a lot more talented you know like how am i saying this like um not not that they're faking it but it's it's just a lot easier to to create something that fits within the 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 scene nowadays mm-hmm. you know i i have a it's going to fade away again though yeah i mean hopefully maybe corona will help <laughs> but i mean <laughs> Like, for example, a friend of mine, he was performing, I think he was performing in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, um, you know, it's a big arts festival. And he uh, was performing on some evening, like a platform for, I think it was like uh, Arabic artists, you know, it was, um, you know, Middle Eastern and um, like North African kind of artists, I think. And there was a guy on there who, for whatever reason, he hadn't... um, his piece wasn't working or something. He had to perform it for this panel of this platform. And for some reason, he, he didn't have a piece to show, you know, it was two days before the show and he just didn't have anything. Like he threw away his ideas or whatever. And then he just, he openly said to my friend, um, Oh, I'm just going to make some bullshit. You know, I'm just going to make the complete, you know, whatever. I'm going to make something really arty and it'll be fine. You know? And he, he apparently on the day of the show, he performed it. It was just this really minimalist kind of simple uh, dance kind of thing, just a solo with a video projection of random video clips of like politicians and then like completely random things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just, you know, having that perform while he, while he performed on stage. And it, it was just, uh, it was taken as, oh my God, this is amazing. Like this is, this is brilliant stuff. It's so political and so so genius you know like you know he wasn't a massive global success but you know he got Mm -hmm. some success from it and I guess you could say only my friend knew that it was complete bullshit you Mm -hmm. know and it was uh, yeah it was something that kind of I don't know it it pissed me off obviously because I was like the fuck like we spend so much time and money trying to actually make something interesting and then some dickhead comes along and just makes uh you know or doesn't even try let's say or, or knows that they can cheat the system because mm. you're you're cheating the 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 cultural perception of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, 
I don't know, there's something there to it. You know, it's like we're all pretending that this is all more interesting or more complicated than it is. Or mm, it's I don't just, know. I, think it. It, I don't know. I think it's because it has like a lot of meaning for us personally as an, an individual. So when you have something meaningful, you wanna you wanna handle it with it's something precious so you want to behave and handle it and you want to talk about it as it is something precious because otherwise you would just throw it away tomorrow and then when it's like it goes something it's I don't know I feel like it's it's kind of how to for example when you have a, a baby or you have a dog and you love the dog so much so no matter what you'll always protect it and if someone goes against it you'll get mad at that person you'll you'll go against that person or you'll you'll just just try to do anything to protect that dog or that baby because it's like your little precious thing so I think it's a it's the same with the art scene and especially the art scene like we get it so much um we have to go against a lot of things because it's always, you always have to defend yourself why you're active in the art scene. It's never a natural thing to say, oh, I'm a dancer and that people will just accept it for what it is. You always have to protect yourself. And I feel like that's why it's hard to accept that sometimes it is, reality is sometimes more simple and more superficial and things that we don't want to know or hear it kind of reminds me of do you do you know the when you had the television created and they created movies for the first time or a series and people watched the movies back then they would be shocked and they would feel so immersed into the tv as if they were part of it and it's 2d back then and then few years later we got used to that now we have 3d and now we feel immersed within 3d and part of that world mm. after that you have vr glasses and now you feel immersed in the vr glasses and, and not in that big 3d television class because it's like been there done that so yeah. i feel like everything's just like you get used to it something next comes along and i don't know it's sometimes a bit more simple and still complicated i don't know i'm just blurbing out thoughts no no it's fine <laughs> <laughs> no it's okay it's, you know like i say yeah, yeah, and i think neither one of us has the answers it's maybe just good for us sure. to kind of clarify what we both think like um like i know you're a i don't know if i could say a fan but i know you're aware of jordan peterson um yeah and he uh yeah he's got some interesting views on creativity and and art in general like he he often says actually being creative is not a privilege you know it's actually sometimes a curse you know like mm -hmm. you, um you know you don't feel i can't remember exactly the, the right quote but something along the lines of you know creative people sometimes can't feel satisfied unless they're making something and they don't always have mm -hmm. the opportunity to make something. Um, and then he, 
he talks about the difference between um you know liberals will create businesses and mm -hmm. conservatives will run the businesses you know and i think there's something interesting there because when we're artists we have to um we are our own business i guess you know if you're a dancer or if you yeah run a company i guess well yes or no but let's say for now we are um we almost have to have like a liberal mind where we have these kind of creative ideas and these pursuits that we want to do, but then also a conservative mind that knows how we're going to do this. You know, how are mm -hmm. we going to, how am I going to make money? How am I going to sell myself for the right money, for the right costs? You know, how am I going to get people to pay for my art? And yeah, it's interesting. I think there's, um, you know, he, he talks about it in the, in the business world as well, you know, like, mm -hmm all these startups like you know they're, they're made by creative weirdos like you know like even facebook you know like he, he was a creative guy in technology and coding and i guess he's turned into a more conservative guy where he knows how to um yeah he knows how to keep this beast alive you know mm -hmm. but what have you i know you were reading jordan peterson recently um um, I was gonna read it. I had it here. Ah, you oh. read it, and then you explained it to me. It's fine. It's fine. Oh no, you, you gotta jump in. Whatever you're reading now, throw it away and read it. <laughs> um, well, I just finished my book, so now I have to start a new one. There you go. In 20 minutes, when this conversation finishes, you can start the next one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but here's another issue that I have been thinking about recently, and I thought I'd ping pong to you to see what you could think about it um it's the issue of um let's say of diversity in dance or um in art you could say like i find nowadays there is a big push to hear from other voices you know and to hear from um you know, from uh, people of color, um, gender queer people, uh, trans issues, you know, um, you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, you could say a search for the voices that are um, minority, you know, minority in whatever aspect. And sometimes I wonder um, if, you know it's it's not necessarily correlated that a trans artist wants to talk about trans issues mm -hmm. you know or uh you know a black artist wants to talk about racial issues mm -hmm. you know? um and i wonder is it sometimes are we taking away from them by you know tr by trying to almost put this content into them you know i'm not saying that uh you know, there's a good majority of minorities who want to talk about minority issues and mm -hmm. that their their art is their way of doing that, you know, like that. Um, and I'm sure you could make an argument as to say who is forcing these people to do that. You know, most of art is voluntary, I guess. But but um, I yeah, I just I find there's, there's there's something there, you know, I think there's something where we, for example, yeah, I know some people um you know, uh, a black artist and she, um, she says she often gets put into the, 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 
the black box, you could say, you know, where they, they tick the box because, oh, she's a, you know, she's a black artist and she's, um, you know, she, she's talking about issues, you know, she's giving a, a Afro uh, voice, you know, a black voice to this, whereas actually her work isn't necessarily talking about those issues. And so I wonder mm -hmm. if it's like, you know, whereas with, with me, the old, you know, straight white male over here, it's, um, you know, it, it's almost like people kind of take whatever I say as, you know, how do I say this? You know, the, the topic that I want to talk about, they take it as just that, you know? Okay. And I, I don't know, what are your thoughts on this? Mm. If you can decipher that mess of a question. <laughs> yeah. Trying to to grasp which problem you're specifically talking about. Well, uh, let's say um, I wonder if because we're actively searching for certain um, groups of people, mm -hmm. I wonder if we sometimes mistake that those groups of people have the same um intention on talking about the same issues you know um do you mean as in the if i understand correctly as in the issue of audience perceiving a performances and having already pre consumptions about the performance because of the person that's performing do you mean that specifically or um yes and no maybe more um like i see a lot of uh what you call it um open calls for let's say gender queer artists or oh. um you know um uh artists from minority groups you know mm -hmm. uh, you know racial minorities um and it makes me think like why because I've spoken to some, to some people who are in these minorities, I guess. And they say that actually that their work has nothing to do with that aspect of their identity. You know, it's, um, you know, it, they, that just happens to be a part of their, like me, me being straight has very little to do with what I do in dance. You mm -hmm. know? There's an argument you could say that that's my perspective. And that's my angle that I approach things, of course, just like, mm -hmm. you know, being, um, being gay would be a different angle potentially but it, it's not always linked and I, I wonder if we're, we're we're demanding that it is linked yeah <laughs> thinking yeah mm. it's, a, it's a tough one especially when it's explained so badly like that it's <laughs> <laughs> fine um that is a puppy um Demanding that it is linked. I still don't 100% sure. <laughs> I think I understand what you mean. Um, as in, for example, you have a queer person. So it is demanding that that person talks about queerness within his arts. Yeah, like, are we, are we demanding that? Because we, we're we're asking this person, you know, we're asking for queer artists. Okay. Yeah. But actually what the question I guess is we're asking for queer artists who want to talk about queer issues. Mm -hmm. 
you know? And so for those queer artists who don't want to talk about queer issues, they just happen to be queer and they want to talk about geometry yeah. or whatever, you know, it, uh, I don't know. I suppose I would have to talk to people who feel like, oh, they're, they're well, yeah. I, I hear little things, you know, I hear things from, from people who, who, have, who are part of minorities um, mm. and sometimes it's just like that part of their identity is not such a big portion of their artistic um, vision, you know, it's. And why, why do you see it as a problem necessarily? As in, because it's so taken because, without any consideration as in yeah, that way? Yeah. I guess because I wonder if, um, yeah, people put a label on it, which mm. which wouldn't necessarily have that, you know, like um, yeah. I get, I get, you know, I like what, let's say when my piece is being um, marketed, it doesn't have straight white male next to it at all, you know, mm -hmm. but um, you know, you might see a uh, I don't know a, a, an evening of um, gender queer work or uh you know um uh minority ethnic groups um work you know and and that's not to say that it's bad to have this out there of course it's good you know it's it's nice to hear from voices that aren't heard from mm -hmm. you know are we trying to hear the ideas or are we trying to help the people mm. you know, it's it's um I really don't know. You know I, I'm not trying to, to say something here. I just, I really don't no, no, no. know. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, um, I'm always very cautious with these kind of subjects because I don't want to say the wrong thing or rub the wrong way. Um, I think it's so such a tricky subject because you can watch it individually wise, group wise, and then society-wise. And I think it, these three things are a lot of times being mixtured and it gets very complicated because <laughs> personally-wise, you as, per, as a person could feel something or have a problem with something doesn't mean specifically group-wise or the other way around. You know, it's very it's very, I mean, honestly, labeling is something in general people do to understand things better, understand themselves better. We have to have labeling for identity. It's like we do it with everything, no matter how much you try to think generally and keep yourself open in your mind, you'll always create those little brackets for yourself in your mind because it's like a comfort place. And it's like boundaries because otherwise we don't have a clear reality for ourselves. And it's like how, depends on how that person wants to identify themselves or how that person identifies themselves, which then how do they want to label themselves, which then what kind of problems do they feel or what do they feel is rubbed the wrong way or doesn't feel okay. And I feel with these subjects, like it's such a big problem with it, which is finally being talked about and it's finally being actively approached and 
people are getting voices and there's people are starting to listen to them and it's a it's rough like no matter what will happen there will always be hurdles along the way i guess because it's there's not one way right way to do things you know what i mean as yeah. in i don't know i think because i personally i i think if i would watch a piece i would just want to see a human being as a human being no matter what which where but if you want your performance to be about queer then you're putting this in my head so i watch it with that idea i watch with that idea with that knowledge i watch that performance so i immediately make that connection but then if a person doesn't want to have that connected when they're being asked for for a show because for example they don't necessarily want to do their craft that way i don't know i don't know if that's necessarily a problem it's just your personal choice but maybe i'm wrong because i'm just not i'm just not um having these issues right now or i don't feel that I, for me, for me, as an example, um, personally, I'm researching. I'm my parents are from Israel, mm -hmm. so um, we're not Jewish by religion. We're Jewish by because it's just the way it is. It's a culture <laughs> thing, and um, I've been diving deep into the whole Middle East conflict and. The conversations of pro-Israel or not pro-Israel and I think I'm not gonna open that subject artistically wise but if I w were to be or if I were to see things I would probably also be feel very passionate about it or not always like the things I would read but it's just something I just put so far away in the back of my head that I'm not like aware, awarenessly reading things. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like how, how would you feel if um, someone like a promoter or like an arts organization or whatever, like uh, contacted you because they, they know that you had a piece, they, you know, they liked your piece, they booked you, they programmed you for this evening and then you see that you're marketed as, um, you know, a uh, Jewish choreographer, mm -hmm. you know, as in like, uh, oh, celebrating Jewish um, arts or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, obviously I know it's very um, linked to the individual, you know, maybe some people are, are proud of the heritage, some people aren't, some people yeah. wish, wish to connect to it, some people don't really feel much like, personally, I'm not I'm English. I'm just like meh. Okay, you know, it's just mm -hmm. a, a thing. Um, but I suppose you know, as artists, we want to be at least in control of of what we not not what we get how we get perceived because I know you know no one can really control that. But I mean, the the kind of voice that you're trying to give, yeah. you know. Um, 
like where this all comes from was I just saw a an interview with um Dizzy Glasgow. I don't know if you know Dizzy Glasgow. He's um yeah uh, yeah Grime artist, kind of a rapper, a UK guy. Yeah. Um, and he was on a uh, British TV program, and he was just promoting a festival that he was doing. It was like a, a inside your car festival for Corona, um, mm-hmm. you know, just something that's going on. And then this was like a couple of months ago now. Um, he was on there talking to Piers Morgan, actually, a bit of a dickhead, but yeah. Um, he was talking to him, and then Piers Morgan starts to talk to him about Black Lives Matter, you know, mm-hmm. and then he said, like, why, why are we talking about this? You know, why, why are we, you know, I'm on here talking about my concert, talking about having happy, yeah. you know, fun times and stuff and, you know, trying to talk about, you know, getting on with life and you want to talk about Black Lives Matter. Like, why are you asking me? Like, I didn't bring it up. You know, is it because I'm black? Okay. It's, why do you think I have an opinion on it? You know, if I had an opinion on it, I would have said something. I haven't mm-hmm. tweeted about it. I haven't, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it was, it just kind of sparked this thing of like, yeah, I wonder if we're, because, you know, in, these middlemen, you know, these people who kind of act between the artists and the audience, mm-hmm. they, not to say that they're all manipulative, but they want to put on a good spread, you know, a good program. They want their program mm-hmm. to be reflective of what the audience feels it should be. Yeah. And so let's say, you know, if they, they can maybe proudly say, hey, we have a very diverse program. We have black artists, we have trans artists, we have genderqueer artists, we have uh, immigrants, you know, we have uh, refugee performance, you know, like they, you know, they, they want to do this. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a problem necessarily with that. You know, there's, it's not like we, we shouldn't see that, you know, we should see that stuff. But mm-hmm. it's when, um, I don't know. I, I again, I'm not exactly sure what the problem is. That's why it takes me yeah. so long to describe I find it. But it's tricky. I, I, yeah, it's as if like, are, are you programming programming people because they tick the box, or because of the work? Yeah, it's kind of the same. When I studied, um, I had a course HR, and a part of it was talking about diversity and about um, uh, diversity of gender, of people of color. And I really got so annoyed by the way they spoke about it because it sounded like, okay, we're gonna hire this amount of percent women. We're gonna hire this amount of percent men, this, that, that, just to be fine, Mm. just to, be perceived okay and I got so annoyed out of it because yeah. you don't want to you don't want to take someone because of who they are that you want to take someone because of the qualifications but just m- more than the outside appearances and I got so annoyed out of that you create like percentages out of it or yeah. is it okay if you have that much percent of this and that much percent of and Oh, I, yeah, it got me so mad. But then it comes from a good place, good place, as in, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean. It's, this is something I've really been super interested in lately, especially yeah. with a lot of these kind of big heads, like even Jordan Peterson. I think he, he gets misunderstood a lot and he gets seen as someone who's against these issues, whereas mm-hmm. I think he's against certain methods 
for helping these issues, which seems to be equality of outcome. You know, like mm -hmm. equality of opportunity, I've heard him say is like a very laudable goal. Like we should really strive to do it. Like everyone should be, you know, able to have a fair chance at doing it. Mm -hmm. But you shouldn't try and have equal amounts of people or even proportional amounts of people. You know, if you say like, oh, there's 20% uh, black people in Belgium, then we should have 20% art, black artists on the list. Mm -hmm. You know, like it, it's also, you, you can't do that because you could always find ways to divide people into more and more little groups. Yeah. You know? um, and so it's, and like you say, it's, um, you know, it, it, when you have quotas of you have people that you need to find, you, you take away from talented people and suddenly it's not mm -hmm. based on uh, creativity or interest, but it's almost the priority becomes what are you and then mm -hmm. what do you do? You know, it's like, oh, you're black. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now we can look at your work, you know? Oh, mm -hmm. okay. You're, you're trans. Okay. Now we can look at work. Oh yeah. She, you know, and it's, and actually you, you almost segregate people to have competition within their own group, you know, as in, um, you know, when you want to try and find like, oh, we need to put some, uh, you know, some black artists out there. So, okay, well then who's the best black artist, you know, rather than who's the art, who's the best artist or who's got the best mm -hmm. work. Like it should yeah. not be a problem that, um, you know, let's say the whole season in the theater is just full of black artists. You know, this, that shouldn't be a problem, mm -mm. you know? But then I'm gonna, uh, gonna give a side backfire. Not because <laughs> I personally, not just, I just today, I saw this post about, um there is this list in belgium of top artists and top uh, actors mm -hmm. and it's being posted through the radio and people are commenting about it because it's only dutch people so they were saying where is the diversity in the artist scene so that's again the other side of it because that's a problem as well so it's I find it so tricky and and it's so hard to to say one thing which is the right thing because there is like no there isn't like one right way it's just yeah that dehumanization thing is just fucked up and it's something <laughs> i it's like that categorizing is just fucked up but then on the other hand we all do it implicitly even if we don't want to it's yeah it, like for this example the like the top art is because also it's so subjective it's uh it's got issues there you know it's you know it depends on what um what were the reasons like why is number one number one you know mm -hmm. if it's because they've had the longest career and they've made whatever whatever i don't know you know it, like you have to see the the numbers let's say um and again yeah it's it's tough because you because one thing that i found interesting is just looking up the the demographics of of like people of countries like you know looking at what percentage of england is white versus black or asian or mm -hmm. uh, whatever and just the differences there and um you know i i think some of it can come down to there not being as many uh well no it's a mixture of of percentages like of proportions and um 
and a generational thing, you know? So let's say if you look at Belgium, just for example, uh, I don't know, 30 years ago, you know, dance was probably still a very elite thing. Wait, where are 30 years ago? We're 1990. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, quite an elite, elitist thing still, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's obviously gone through a kind of democratic phase where it's a bit more leveled out and more people can get into it. Um, it's, it's weird. Cause I remember we spoke a bit, bit briefly about this last time where, you know, getting into contemporary dance is sometimes, a a middle-class thing, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, um, because it means classes and then the university of some kind, and then, you know, the ability to kind of self-sustain. And if you can't, you can go back to your parents who can look after you and, you know, this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and so when you have, let's say minorities in a city or a country that are, you know, maybe not so, um, wealthy, they don't have mm-hmm. the privilege to, to, to progress in those, um, you know, in this field, that's obviously changed and there's a lot more, you know, there, there's difference now, but I guess sometimes it takes more time for these things to shift. So I, I don't know if it's the balance of, of, of making the, 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 the field level for everyone, but then I think sometimes we expect there to be a difference because we've got a difference of opinion quite quickly. I think we expect a different outcome just as quick. And I think sometimes it takes longer, you know, um, give it another 30 years. And I think things will be very different. Our minds will be very different as well. Um, and there will be new problems as well. Yeah. 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 (laughs) They're always going to like, there's always going to be something. And that doesn't mean we need to, we don't need to acknowledge the issues and do something about it and voice it out. It's just, it's never going to be a smooth way of, it's just like, if you look at everything, it's just, you're never gonna be I, I think it's I've read it somewhere. I don't remember where. But I've read like if you're just gonna focus all the time on the little problems, you're never gonna be satisfied. Mm. Because you're never gonna have a world where everybody is gonna have the same opinion, where everybody is gonna have world peace and everything's gonna be good and everything's gonna be sustainable animals are going to be happy humans are going to be happy like it's not a realistic world to be in Mm. so to focus on issues all the time it's only putting yourself down because you're never gonna get that idealistic world yeah and it's it's something to think about because again that doesn't mean i don't think that means that we just need to like lay back and be like, okay, life is fine. Life is perfect. (laughs) We can't do anything. (laughs) We're good. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) But it's, I think it's kind of like the approach and the energy and the, the personal um, energy you put into it to keep yourself up and not to let yourself drag down with it. Cause that's, just yeah i've been interested in this as well um this idea of effective altruism um Mm -hmm. but 
kind of also morphing it a little bit like this idea effective altruism is like um understanding how we can do good for the world in the most effective way um and not getting caught up on the, the ways that don't have much power or much mm-hmm. effect on other things um yeah for example like it's a, it's a it's a real social movement i was looking on their website and they talk about um like spreading of AIDS, I think in an African country, I can't remember where exactly, but they were saying, you know, um, what methods could you do to um, stop the spread? And, um, uh, you know, condoms, they had a small percentage, um, well, sorry, they had a good percentage, but, you know, not not massive. Um, uh, religious advice was the small percentage, something else was small. But then the, the biggest, like, crazy leader was um, sex education. You know, just having decent sex education for teenagers and kids um, just so that they understand, you know, how you can get it, what it is, how you can't get it, you know, all these different things. That's the most effective way of stopping the spread. So mm-hmm. we should actually focus more of our attention on on these ways. And mm-hmm. I find it's the same thing here. It's like with a lot of these issues, we get caught up on some of the outrageous things, but, you know, like you say, outrageous things are always going to pop up. People are always going to have differences. And if we define ourselves as, you know, not, not willing to accept the differences, then you're never going to, like you say, progress or, or get peace or, you know, allow yourself to, to move past anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we should at least, you know, that's not to say that we don't have to fight certain things. You know, there is still racism. There is still, um, a lack of diversity in you know certain areas but you know you should try and tackle the problem in the most effective way not the loudest way mm-hmm. you know um for sure and i would even add like we should tackle the problem like at the beginning and the middle but whatever the outcome is is the outcome you know um like this, uh, this idea of equality of opportunity versus equality of outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we have to make sure that everyone starts off more or less in the most equal that they can be. You know, it's maybe not possible to find true equality, but, you know, the most equal that we can. And, and during the middle, we shouldn't have, you know, we should try and limit discrimination or limit um, the hurdles for certain people as much as we can. Mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean we try and have the outcome being the equal amount of people in this job, the equal amount of genders in this job, the equal amount of, of whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. It's kind of coming down, I think, to actually being able to listen to each other and to actually under- try and understand both sides, actually, and to actually have proper conversations I think that's such an important thing to do and, and to not be scared of because that's the way you learn about yourself. That's the way you learn about new things. And that's how you actually are able to get w- along with people because eventually you don't want people to, to be against each other. And like, you don't want, you don't want to, to get all this hatred and to, fight each other you want to try and listen to each other and and 
stay stay connected that's I, I think that's like what humans are all about like being a human yeah I think conversation is this lost art form you know we we, we talk a lot we communicate with people but we don't really converse you know we mm-hmm. like even this is you know it's it's maybe more formal than it would normally be you know mm-hmm. like because we say right we're gonna sit down we're gonna have a conversation I've turned my phone on airplane mode you know like no distractions you know it's and it's like purely uh, concentrated towards you you know mm-hmm. Whereas in everyday life we we rarely do that even you know with our partners or you know with my parents or my kids or whatever you know like we're always doing something else we're mm-hmm. always um you know it's so easy to avoid any level of difficulty you know or awkward conversation or you know like you like when your dad says something that's kind of uh, annoyingly true you know it's like yeah, ah, yeah okay you know it's, it's so easy to be like ah yeah okay whatever you know like you can you know but when you sit down and purposefully say right we're gonna have a conversation and we're gonna I'm gonna try and learn your perspective you know like mm-hmm. um yeah I think it's something that we we really with it's like a forgotten art you know yeah it is I don't know if it's for if it's forgotten I don't know if it's ever that that means like it was there some somewhere along the way but I don't know if it was ever there along the way I think so <laughs> I think we're just we're in such a modern age that we you know we don't even realize you know like um you know like I have friends who live on the other side of the world and I speak to them mm. semi-regularly you know and that's such yeah. a weird thing even like 50 years ago maybe or 60 70 years ago that would be such a crazy thing like even my dad my dad had one of his best friends move to Australia and he just lost contact with him you know and he just you know he's like this guy from the past and Mm -hmm. I'm still best friends with my three best friends from my hometown and I haven't lived in that town in 10 years you know yeah and I'm still you know they're considered like my best friends you know because I speak Mm -hmm. to them more or less every day it's so it, it, it's good at keeping these relationships, but, you know, even when I go back home, I, I realize I'm a different person, actually. You know, I've evolved mm-hmm. in a different way. Like we've, I've been around different people for too long, you know, we can still mm-hmm. talk and get on, but there's this, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, because we haven't had these like deep conversations so much, we've, we've, grown different maybe not apart but differently Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i get that (laughs) makes sense yes but speaking of conversations i'm afraid i'm gonna have to cut us short because uh yeah i gotta go pick my kid up from school um (laughs) but thank you very much for joining me Um, it was cool i uh yeah thank you for having me (laughs) Ah, my pleasure. No worries. It was uh, that was cool, man. You, I find you're someone who, um, it's obviously awkward to talk about you to you, but you know, <laughs> uh, but you know, to I feel like you're you're someone who's willing to admit when they don't know and and at least push back on things you don't agree with, you know, which I think is uh, kind of like what we were talking about before. It's something that would people have lost as well, you know. Mm -hmm. so easy to kind of just get on and kind of just be quiet if you don't agree that it's good to not agree sometimes and 
and speak up, you know, in it a is. in a polite, you know, way, in a respectful way, you know, like to learn, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. I think sometimes it gets taken wrongly a lot. <laughs> so I, I think it depends on the person. I, I find it a lot of times where I talk like this with certain people and they just really get into defense mode, feel like I'm trying to be the super like superior person yeah. and to know it all or whatever. At least that's a feeling I'm getting and I'm really that's the last thing I'm yeah. trying to do. <laughs> yeah man. Just trying to conversate. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. It's um yeah like I, I wanna ask questions and talk about topics that aren't really spoken about in this way or you know it's if you want to learn you have to be open to to at least hear them you know mm, yeah for sure but yes thank you very much and yeah. uh yes i will probably call you again sometime next year so we can have another conversation <laughs> yay <laughs> oh thank you no and thank worries. you for um for your open conversation no and worries. for telling me uh, what you think of me at least or I don't know how to say that it's kind of but I throw my opinions at you you know (laughs) no but I uh, yeah I was impressed the last time we spoke so I thought ah okay cool (laughs) (laughs) thank you no worries dude all right take it easy yeah I'll uh, I'll speak to you soon bye ciao dude (laughs) Uh uh-huh